We are changing the global conversation on emotional health and self-love. Our feelings are just feedback. And that feedback is constantly giving us valuable insights as to what still needs to be healed. It is that simple. (laughs) It is that complicated. When you continuously follow your passion and do what brings you joy, adding more pleasure and fun to your life, you can't go wrong. You can't fail. I pinky swear that to be true. Welcome to How to Be a Human with Lise Wilcox. I love this conversation. Hello, hello, and welcome back to How to Be a Human with Lise Wilcox. And I am, I don't even have the right word for my emotions right now, talking to Tyler Merritt. Welcome to my show. It's such a pleasure to connect with you. And it's such a pleasure to hear your voice in this way, not just on Instagram or any other means of consumption. (laughs) Um, Let me tell you, I am so happy to be with you because when you admire somebody from afar on social media, it seems like you're miles and miles and miles away. So when I finally connected with you today, I kind of, my heart kind of tugged a little bit, Lisa. I can't lie. I was like, this is an exciting moment happening right now. Oh, me too. And are you in Nashville right now? I am. I am in Nashville, Tennessee currently. And it's a pretty, pretty day. Where are you at? Where are you? I'm, I'm in Canada. I'm just about an hour east of Toronto. Okay. Okay. I did a radio interview for a Canadian radio station. Uh, gosh, it was probably about four months ago. Well, okay. more of my story as a Canada is why <laughs> is everybody so awesome there? <laughs> I'm not, not, I'm not everybody. Kidding. Not everybody okay, okay. is as awesome. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple. There's a, okay. My bad. My bad. We have a few. And if you want, I can introduce them to you. But if you want, I'll just keep them in my back pocket. Um, interestingly, in February, I had, I don't know about you, but every every now and then on a full moon, this sounds very ominous, I have really intense dreams and they're like spirit driven meaning dreams. Wow, wow, and wow. in February, I had this one dream and I went to sleep and I would hear Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. And I'd wake up and I'd be like, okay, like message received. I got it. Wow. And I'd go back to sleep and it was Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. Like it happened all night to the point I got up in the morning and I was exhausted. And I was like, I don't know what significance Tennessee holds for me, but apparently it's big. Apparently it's very wow. big. I know. Interesting. So, so is, is that how the dream ends? There's no, that's it. and then you saw, <laughs> that's you, saw it. you then saw a beautiful black man and realized that <laughs> you were to move. <laughs> like I, I was well, waiting for the punchline there, but I know. I mean, like I could go to a couple different punchlines, but I have for a long, I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with America and Americans. And I am also quite convinced that I'm going to marry an American. And I've always thought that he would be either from New York or Texas. And then this dream was like a redirect. <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, who knows? <laughs> New, York, so you are. <laughs> New, New York or Texas? Yeah, it's, it's like one or the other, I guess. <laughs> wow, that's a pretty like strong variation. I think you need to start like wishing out to the universe very more specific cities. Because, like Austin. Because, yeah, exactly. Anyway, so the, the, my, the intention behind this podcast really is to have a conversation on, on really what it means and how to be a human. And I very, very rarely read formal bios 
but oh my God, I'm going to read yours because not only are you a real life human, but you also play one on TV. <laughs> I want to make sure I want to make sure I get all of your accolades in here because like color me impressed. So Tyler Merritt is a Nashville based actor, comedian, vocalist, and creator of the Tyler Merritt project. His television credits include ABC's Kevin Probably Saves the World, Where Are You Now, Kevin, Netflix Messiah, Netflix Outer Banks, HBO's limited series The Outsider, Apple TV's upcoming series Swagger, and Disney Plus slash Marvel's upcoming series Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Prior to Before You Call the Cops, which is how I found you, that phenomenal video that also got featured on Jimmy uh, Kimmel, um, Tyler was best known for being the face of worldwide teaching curriculum for the Gospel Project for Kids. In 2018, Tyler's viral video, Before You Call the Cops, was viewed by over 18 million people worldwide and voted one of the top 20 videos of the year by Now This, now this Politics. In 2020, Before You Call the Cops had recirculated and has now been viewed over 60 million uh, by over 60 million people and has appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live, MSNBC, and Access Hollywood. Merritt has been featured in the Las Vegas Review-Journal, the New York Times, MSNBC, and HuffPost. His most recent and unbelievably poignant video, viral video, The Playlist, is also stirring the much-needed conversation of how we see and communicate with each other. Raised in Las Vegas, Nevada, he has always had a passion for bringing laughter, grace, and love into any community that he is able to be a part of. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound that like you? That, that was, I was really <laughs> impressed by me right now, Lise. Like you read that and I'm like, I would love to meet that guy. <laughs> that happens to me when I go on podcasts. I'm like, wow, this woman is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you reading that because I, I, more so because I know that there are many a listeners that are in your community who have no idea who I am. So um, that, that helps out a little bit. So I was watching basically all the previews of the shows that you've been on and will be on because I've seen your YouTube videos and they are like next level. They're also incredibly emotional. So then I started to go down and then you're like, you know, you are this like, oh my God, such kind person, like graceful person. And maybe it's just a social media persona. And if so, congratulations, because I am buying it. Singer. Like, you just exude grace and emotional vulnerability. And I'm watching all your previews and they are fucking terrifying. Like you're on the scariest shows. What is up? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, here's what's great about TV um, and working as an actor. So I kind of stumbled back into television. I did theater professionally for a long time. So that's why, or for earlier in my life, that's why you will see, if there's anything you will see in my social media is references to musicals. Yes, I noticed. I noticed. Right, right. And so typically if you're not into musicals, I can lose you. Like if you're not into music, like you have to Google half of the references that I say, because I am such a musical theater fan, like ridiculously. Um, and so, but I, I kind of leaned back in to, uh, through a series of things that happened, I ended up stumbling back into film. And so what's great is I get to pop up in some of these shows that I love. Um, Kevin probably saved the world, had Jason Ritter in it, and he was fantastic and was able to work with him. Um, I'm not allowed to really talk about soccer and the Winter Soldier because Marvel has you sign like 
a million NDAs. Um, <laughs> um, the Outsider, I actually worked on for three days um, with some really incredible people. And then, and then I was put on the cutting room floor and then a friend of mine was like, but I saw you in the outtakes. I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. Doesn't matter, I got paid. <laughs> Um, so, and, and, uh, nobody thought Outer Banks, which is a show on Netflix was going to be this big, huge thing. And I'd actually auditioned for another role for one of the main characters, fathers. And, um, they, they liked me enough to bring me back to play another role. So, um, that show ended up completely blowing up, which is really fantastic. Um, so all that to say, I have really lucked out to be able to be in some really, really, really great TV shows. And um, there's more to come, but I will say this though, Lise, like the joy of my life way beyond that is the community that I've been able to build between Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the Tyler Merritt project. Um, because we really have um, built a group of individuals that not only care for each other, are starting to really find a place that they feel safe and can find encouragement mm -hmm. and find um, words to be uplifted. Uh, but there's an honesty and truth that I always bring from the, from the perspective of a black man in America, yeah. which sometimes is difficult yeah. and sometimes not so much. So in between, and I mean, literally one day I can be talking about a TV show that I love. And the next minute I can be talking about how, black men in America are being killed at a rate that is absolutely ridiculous. But because of the span of the relationship that I build with the people in this community, they are able to hear me in a way that knows that I'm not just bullshitting them. You follow me? Wait, am I allowed to cuss on this? Because I cuss oh, yes. a lot. Okay. <laughs> so do I. Okay. So do I. I, I, I. So most of my thought process behind and going on in my head is Tyler don't cuss. So I'm glad we know. Unless your mom is listening, because I guess maybe your mom would like not like to hear you and I swearing. But <laughs> you know, I, I had to deal with just recently, Lise. I had to deal with the reality. I told my mom she had read something that I wrote, and she said, "You know, you cuss a lot in this." And I was like, "Mom, the only person I don't cuss in front of is you and Dad, like and kids. Like kids don't hear me yeah. cuss, and you like there's a switch that happens that flips off." Yeah, but yeah. everybody else in the world is like, that dude cusses a lot. Anyway. <laughs> I have three little girls and we are all, we are all like painfully aware of how much I swear because I don't do it in front of my kids. And they, <laughs> and they, they watch it. They watch it like get to the surface of my lips and tongue and they watch me like swallow with that. <laughs> I am familiar with the switch. <laughs> so wait, wait. I know this is, we're talking to me here, but you have three, you said you have three girls. I do. Yeah. How old are they? Um, eight, eight, and ten. So basically, what, like third grade and fifth grade? Is that That's right. about and right? They are, they are like superlative. They are sweethearts. They're just like the best kids. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. They're really oh, my niece and nephew, Zoe and Declan, are eight and ten. Oh. So, um, and. Again, I post them on Instagram as well because they're like my, they're, I, I, I'm actually an only child, but so these oh, are like adopted nieces and nephews. And yeah. so I have, you know, but they are, you can't tell them any different that they're not, yeah. that I'm not Uncle Ty Ty to them. And um, I love that. that age group, I love that age it's, group it's so, so much. It's so awesome. I know. I know. It's very, it's really fun. It's like, 
when people think of what parenting is going to be like, they think of these years. It's like a very short window, I know, but I am a, and I'm a single parent, right? So I'm in like this sweet spot with my girls and I just, I really love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Anyway, back to you. <laughs> Sorry. So- <laughs> I, I love me, I love, I love me some kids. So the idea of you with three girls running around is kind of fantastic. Well, we're always looking for new recruits to our family, so come on up. <laughs> I feel like you would let them piggyback on you and they would be into that. So 100%. 100%. <laughs> so you've built this phenomenal community through the Tyler Merritt Project. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll tell you, probably in 20... 16 is when the idea really burst, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I was just realizing because of all the communities that I had been plugged into, um, I was going online and I was finding it's so easy online to be kind of segregated, right? And Mm -hmm. be broken up to where you can have all, you can have a group of gay friends. You can, if those are your people, then that's all that's to your feed. And that's all, you know, or you can have right wing Christian people, or you can have, you know, super left wing, you could have, you know, so there's all these segregated communities online, Mm -hmm. but because of my history and kind of where I had come from, I ended up being one of those rare individuals that had a swath of people. Like I'm talking like from the farthest, farthest right to the farthest, farthest left to the, to the most stringent, like tight laced people to like, let's go to gay parades. You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was all over the place. And so I realized that my community was so much wider. So I had the ability to say things to people and many different people would want to listen. And this was just in my personal everyday, you know, communication with people. Mm-hmm. And so around 2016, when Philando Castile was shot here in America and mm-hmm. a few other black men's lives were, were taken I I was trying to figure out where my voice could land in the midst of this. And uh, something that I was getting from people, which is so highly frustrating, and I can't, I cannot tell you how frustrating this is, is I was having many of my white friends say to me, oh man, Tyler, that's really hard that that happened to somebody, but that would never happen to you. Um, You're one of the good ones, or you're, you're one of the, you know, you're smart enough to know, or dot, 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 dot. And I found myself, um, getting outraged in a way of like, I don't think you want that's not how this works. I know. This is not about like, let's, let's kill the, kill the good black people, let's kill the bad black people and let the good black people live. And so I found myself going, how can I communicate to a group of individuals that may not have the proximity or perspective mm-hmm. to understand what black men in America are going through? Yeah. And because I had this platform, I went, okay, how, how am I going to do this? And this is what I did know, Lee. I knew that we have like a ground base level of things that we as people want and desire. We want to be loved. We want to be seen. We want to laugh. We want to know that we are known, mm-hmm. right? Um, there, there's just, right. And, there, and then it matters. Counts. Our yeah. experience counts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those baseline things that that's universal. It doesn't matter who you are, what color you are, where you are. And so with that base understanding of going, okay, so this is who, who we are as a people and what we want. How can I begin to communicate from that base ground? And so with that Tyler Mara project birth, and I said, so the, the first key here is going to be love. And 
um, letting people know that they are loved, letting people know that they are seen. Um, next is going to be humor. Um, because although I'm going to cover some really, really difficult things that are, are tied into who I am as a black man, mm -hmm. um, laughing and smiling matters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I begin to literally, when I tell you that I, I went out on a mission, I began doing stand up so that I could start to really get a feel of the material. Um, that I was going to start putting out in the world if it was going to work on wider, brighter audiences. Mm -hmm. um, I began to uh, begin to study the psychological understanding of how people receive words, how they hear words, how they want to be listened to. Um, and of course, I already had the background with kind of the placement of entertainment. Like I knew what people would want to see and uh, what people would want to hear, or at least I was hoping. Mm -hmm. And so um, in 2018, and I believe it was April, I began to put together this material. So it was two years of me just really like going in deep before I let anybody see what I was actually doing. And once I did the groundwork of feeling like, okay, I have something that's going to matter and make sense, I began to create material. And of course, like all things, it started out very, very small um, mm -hmm. with a handful of people that were like, okay, I like what's happening. I, I see I, I see what you're trying to do here. But what, I, what I've found is, if you let people know that they are loved, you let people know that they are heard, you let people know that they are seen, your, your um, options and ability for them to listen grow exponentially. Because and it created as a, an emotional safety, our level of emotional safety. Exactly. And when, and when people feel safe, now we can connect. If there's exactly. no emotional safety, there's zero connection. And you bridge that gap so beautifully. And that's exactly what began to start happening mm -hmm. um, in this small community. So I started putting out, um, uh, you know, just funny, some things that were funny, but all of them had uh, some context to a black experience. Like mm -hmm. I put out a video, one of the first videos I put out was because um, we have a hockey team here called the Predators. And mm -hmm. uh, it was called something to the effect of nine things black people should know if they're going to go to a predators playoff game or something like that. Right. And mm -hmm. so, or maybe it was 12. I don't remember now, but I, I the, the moral of the story was that I was trying to communicate the fact that there's this world of hockey in Tennessee that not a lot of black people are a part of, Yeah. but I'm a part of it. I, I have now experienced some of it a little bit and I'm going to poke some fun here to kind of give my white friends an idea of what it feels like Mm -hmm. for me to, as a black man to experience something that I'm not completely familiar with mm -hmm. and that it's okay to realize that new things sometimes are funny, mm -hmm. sometimes are unexpected mm -hmm. and it's okay to not know everything, but you mm -hmm. get into those situations and you begin to learn them. Mm -hmm. And that video began to, to spread quite largely in Tennessee. So then I started getting some more followers here and there and then shortly after, um, I released a few more. And then uh, before you called the cops, and I and I created that video on a Friday, and Huffington Post reached out to me on a Monday. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it just it went. It was crazy. Wow. So uh, all that to say, it's a yeah. sweet place. It's a it's a sweet community that started with the idea of love. It started with the idea of acceptance. It started with the idea of learning, with laughing. Um, but I tell people this all the time. Do not get it twisted. The Tyler Merritt Project is about the black man experience. And though it may not always feel that way on social media, literally, you might, I, I posted something recently with a picture of myself and my friend's cat 
because my cat would that cat would not stop leaving me alone and <laughs> you know um it, it, trust me is even though it's it seems flippant um i am very um specific and intentional mm-hmm. on letting the community of people that are involved in my life know that i'm not just a man but i am a black man yeah. and that is important and it's beautiful this is so wonderful. <laughs> this is so wonderful. Um, I mean, I, I have the lens of a white heteronormative female, right? And so, like, I'm watching this, and that that comes through to me in like in all of the best ways. And I think that what we how do I say this? I think that one of the ways or one of the many ways and one of the many reasons this is a particularly welcome gift that you've given to the world is that we need to have the conversations and the thought leaders and the examples that take people out of caricatures. Mm -hmm. And, And I, I mean, again, I'm a straight white woman and I can observe in the black community, there have been many detrimental caricatures created. Right. And right. I mean, I watch it like there's this whole mommy wine culture thing that when I when I can't watch shows about early families because of the way that women and mothers in particular are portrayed. Because I'm like, this is such a load of shit. Like I can't even mm, participate. Mm, in it. Mm-hmm. And my life is not at threat. And so, like, I can only imagine what the caricatures and what the like the the narratives that are kind of handed out. Like, we have to bust that. Right. And I think that it's like when we talk about dismantling systems, you're literally dismantling systems through your own conscious creation. Which I think brings me to to this point, which I think is really important. Um, I I know this to be true. There are many of your listeners who are listening to this right now who have thought to themselves, I have ideas. I know I, there are things that I want to do mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are individuals who are going, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. I don't know. But this is speaking specifically to the individuals that feel like that they have a voice, but don't necessarily know how to um, put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some serious, I'm, I'm about to give some really, really deep advice that that people should probably pay for. I'm going to start, I'm going to give them years of therapy by giving this advice right now. So prepare yourself and you are pen. welcome. At least get a pen. Okay. <laughs> All right, very, ready? Very minimum, yes. Here, here's the advice. <laughs> Start. Yes. <laughs> That's the advice. Start. And, and though that sounds ridiculous, this mm-hmm. is what I do know. As long as that, that piece that you have in your back pocket or that idea or that creative thing or that fight or that dream, or that that passionate thing that you have that is inside you is released to the rest of the world. It is simply something that is inside you that we do not know of. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the truth, Lise. You know this more than anybody. I was watching your one of your recent Instagram lives. The <laughs> the internet can be a shitty place, mm-hmm. like the worst, just the worst. Mm-hmm. And I disappeared off social media for a couple of years pretty much for that reason because yeah. the internet is the 
worst. Mm -hmm. And so it can end up bringing in our most biggest fears, our our biggest insecurities. It can begin to tell us that we are not worthy, Mm -hmm. that all of these things. But in reality, if we do not start that thing Mm -hmm. that is significant to us, if we don't start that thing that is significant to who we are, we don't know if we if if we have the ability to have an impact on a world that really really needs us. Yeah. And in the world of Tyler Merritt Project, this was the difference between me going, eh, I have this idea for this video. Yeah. Do I put it on tape and put it out in the world, or do I not? Or is, yeah. when the playlist came along, it was the same concept. I was like, I had this idea of the playlist. Or the most recent video I put out called the Talk, where I talk about the 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 conversations that black men at or black people have to have with their children if you don't put it out there it's just never going to exist and right now in the current climate we are in by god do we need the voices of of significant individuals we need your voice Mm -hmm. to be heard to impact the kind of change that i think all of us with true real true good hearts desire Mm -hmm. in the world Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, again, another, another, um, intention backing this podcast is that from my work as a coach and coach is like the worst term in the world. Sometimes I think that it should be professional human or like life consultant because I, I, I hold space for people, right? I hold space for people and in holding space for people and helping them navigate serious transitions in their life. Um, I get this incredibly privileged front row seat to watch the human experience unfold time after time, after time, after time. Right, and I am right. certain that we are all living an incredibly shared human emotional experience. And the kicker is that we all think we're having that experience in isolation. So we want to keep it to ourselves. Right. And I mean, you've said it, I can, I can back this up to be true that we all have a story to tell. And mm. I would argue that 99.9 of us think that story does not deserve a seat at the table. And right. you know, I know, like, yes, it does, because we are all just humans. And we are all just having this lived and learned and earned experience that right. needs to be shared and witnessed in all the right ways, right? And I think that, um, you know, 2020 was a big year. I think that we're, we've headed into this age of Aquarius. And I really believe that this is part of that collective consciousness, that energetic Mm. shift that we're talking about is that I think people are starting to detach from the like, oh, this is for them and this is for them and this Mm -hmm. is for me. It's like, no, what you want, you want for a reason. It's like been a part of your soul's plan. It It doesn't pop up randomly right? It's a part of you. It's a part of your design. It's a part of your like quest on the hero's journey. 100%. If life is a video game, this is like, this is a little coin that you have to jump up and ding. Like this is, I never got past Mario one. So that's like the extent of video game knowledge. (laughs) It's for NBA Jam that I played for one week in March Madness. (laughs) I love how you just had a throwback Super Mario um, example. <laughs> You're like, forget everything else. Just reach up and grab that coin. Hit that brick with reach your up, head. And grab that coin. that coin. And if a turtle shell comes flinging at you, don't worry. You just jump over it. <laughs> but no, man, like if life is a video game, this is just a part. It's just an obstacle. It's just a part of the video game 
what I want, I want for a reason. And in those moments of like real dark fear and despair where I'm like, Mm. oh my God, I'm not going to get what I want. I have to really bring myself back to the centered place of like, no, you want what you want for a reason. And and you just have to keep that vision alive. And I think that what you're saying is like, if you feel the need to start, it's because you need to start. It's like, it's that simple. And yes, you will be met with turtle shells, shall we say, swinging at you as tests and challenges. And that doesn't mean to stop, right? And in my book, I wrote um, a chapter called The Art of Failure. And and that's it. Like you got to learn how to start. You got to learn how to fail and repurpose that failure into something else that moves you forward as opposed to something that holds you back and, and makes you feel ashamed. 100%. 100%. I I can't stress enough, Lise, like the, the sheer importance of knowing that your story matters. Yeah. And I do think that we live in a world right now where it's easy to go, wait, this is their moment or this is their mm-hmm. time. And, and let me be clear, on some levels, I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that your story doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't mean that what you have to say isn't significant Mm -hmm. and that what your individual story, the impact that your singular story can have, that it can't be life changing. It can't be world changing. And uh, what I hate, and it's so easy to seep into the minds of well-to-do individuals, Mm -hmm. is that that doubt of and that insecurity of thinking that maybe what you have been through mm-hmm. isn't important. Yeah. Um, I think that, no, I, I think that I know this for a fact. Mm-hmm. People ask me all the time, Tyler, how are you able mm-hmm. to continue to walk in the grace and support that you do for people that say shitty things to you, for people that um, continue to, act like they don't know any better or continue to come at you with all of these hateful things. How have you not lost your mind? Yeah. Let me be very clear. Don't get me wrong. There's moments where I want to punch a wall and like, you know, kick a shin and all of that. But 99% of the time, I'm such a flawed individual and Mm -hmm. I'm so wholly aware of my mistakes Mm -hmm. and so wholly aware of of the lessons I've learned because of those missteps Mm -hmm. that it is almost impossible for me to not have grace, love and understanding for almost anybody I come in contact with, Mm -hmm. because I really do truly believe that we are all just a bunch of flawed individuals trying our best to, to, to do the best we can. And let, and let me be clear when I say flawed. I don't want to say flawed in a way that, that tries to put guilt on anyone because mm-hmm. that is, it's the opposite of that. It's mm-hmm. really more the understanding of knowing that we are going to make mistakes, but what mm-hmm. we do with those mistakes, um, turning those mistakes into lessons, turning those mistakes into things that change us and make us for the better. Those mm-hmm. are the things that build us. And those are the things that make our specific stories significant. And mm-hmm. so many times we find ourselves in a position of wanting to be covered in shame, wanting to be covered in guilt, wanting to be covered in I'm the only person that's ever gone through this, wanting to be covered in I have failed, be it because a marriage has fallen apart, mm-hmm. be it because your kid is the worst kid in the class, <laughs> be it mm-hmm. because 
you find yourself just being an asshole most of your life or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we find ourselves going, um, I have too much shame. I have too much guilt. I have too much embarrassment. I have too much any of those things to do anything in this world that would make my story matter. And I really do believe, Lisa, that that is one of the biggest things that is keeping us separated as people. Because so many of us are afraid to just say, mm, I'm fucked up a little bit. I know. And that's, I mean, so, you know, I work in the personal development industry, right? And that's the biggest misconception is that people seek out therapists and coach and healers and, and other like wise words of wisdom um, because they're broken. And it's like, no, 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 no. You are not broken. You're just right. healing. And that's kind of the point, right? Like if we were all born in what we think or what we um, like, what our expectations of perfection look like, we would all be born into enlightenment. And that is not what the human experience is. Right. Like the human experience is about fucking up and doing better. That's it. Literally nothing is static. Everything changes. Everything is fleeting. And when, you know, I've called, I've coined it emotional alchemy, that when you take some of these Mm. dark, heavy experiences that have happened and you consciously transform them and you make them something that's uniquely and beautifully your own, you're left with this incredibly like beautiful golden shining thing in your hand. Right. And it's like, that is the point. We're not supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to be these like works in progress and we're learning. And if you continuously show up in a way in which your actions are fueled by intention and you are actually doing the best you can, some people are still assholes. I get that. Maybe their journey is about being an asshole. And like, that's what, I mean, they become excellent teachers. Remember those people right. about that I had introduced you to? They become excellent teachers for us. Right. Right? But, you know, it's it's not about the experience of being perfect. It's about being flawed and seeing the beauty and the, and the perfection in that. Yeah. Don't you so agree? And I, 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 don't, I don't think that, I, I, I just need to be clear here that I, if it was not about that, yeah. I would be frozen and not <laughs> able to move. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I would, I would be at a place of just not being able to succeed yeah. in anything because I wouldn't want to leave my house. Yeah, I would be frozen in, in the mistakes that I've made and the decisions that I've walked through. And um, I, I, I'll tell you this, um, you loosely joked about the facade of, of, social media and trust me I have a lot of friends who are like look at my life and I'm like that ain't your life man (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that is not your life I was at your house yesterday and your kids are are literally running all over your house on your walls don't make it look like that happy Christmas picture of y'all sitting sitting at a barn sipping hot cocoa and (laughs) like sucking on a lollipop that is not your life bro like and and the fact that you even pulled that picture off is amazing to me um so there's a reason there's a picture not a video just saying exactly like oh i want to see the long form version of how that seems to be right like even the idea that you got everybody dressed the same i just want to know how that happened right so um i i feel you on on the persona of kind of how people put out so mm-hmm. in my world here, here here's the honest got you. I am single with no kids and mm-hmm. I am in my forties and I have zero Fs to give. 
right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, there was there was something about once I hit my forties where I was like, I no longer have my alphabet no longer has F in it anymore. <laughs> my, my alphabet is Fless now. Like I have zero F to give. And one of those things that happens in that is there's a there's a kind of truth that gets spawned mm-hmm. in that. And um, so oftentimes, and this is just the truth, if, if, if I'm online and I post something, which you'll see quite a bit, I'll just post a meme that I've created that will say something like, no day but today, or tell the people that you love that you love them now. These aren't things of me sitting around going, how can I say something that might be relatable to people? What's really going on here is, Things that I'm having to tell myself as a grown-ass man that I decide that I want to share with other people. Like this isn't, it's not a moment of me going, I think I need to go out and say something, you know, meaningful. And and that's also why there's many a days where I don't say anything, Mm -hmm. right? But if I wake up one day and I go, oh man, gosh, the only thing I need to hear right now is that somebody loves me. Yeah. Then I, I'm very most likely to go online and say, Hey, I just want to let you know that somebody loves you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'll do that because it comes from a real place. And it comes from the fact that if there is anything that I am above anything else is a lover of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to listen to people. I love to hear their stories. I love to know what makes them tick, both mm-hmm. good and bad. Um, I'm learning as I get older that I'm much, much more interested in your fel- in your failures than I am in the things that you succeeded in. Like, um, as morbid as that might sound, but now I'm like, I really don't want to know about the gold coins that you, that you won. I want to know about how the turtle <laughs> slammed you off. Yeah, but, you know, I fell on my face when I didn't quite reach the gold coin I was going Exactly. <laughs> like, that, that is so much more interesting to me. Yeah. That that's so much more interesting to me, um, because my love that that allows me to to let you know that you are loved, that you are accepted, that there is grace for you, that there is understanding for you, and that um, you are able to face tomorrow in knowing that the tomorrow that is there is filled with people that care about who you are. So above all else, man, my my. Um, love for people is is pretty much what uh ignites all of those things be it a really upset you know pissed off you know i i do this thing called i take my coffee hashtag black which is just these little segments of me talking about you know some sort of experience of some sort and sometimes i'm angry sometimes i'm not (laughs) you know um but all of those things are still rooted in love for people and that's the world I want to live in. I love that frequency. <laughs> I love that space. I love that intention. I love it. Um, are you pretty extroverted? Yeah, yeah, I am. I, I am. I am. Well, let me let me let me say this. <laughs> I'm an extra. I'm yeah. an extrovert, but this pandemic and being alone has taught me one thing. I love being alone. <laughs> Like, um, uh, I, there's, I, I definitely, I love, because I love people, I'm an extrovert, right? Um, but I am definitely one of those people though, that I need my quiet time too. Like I don't always have to be on. How do you recharge? 
Um, I walk a lot. Mm-hmm. When I say I walk a lot, I walk about four miles a day. Okay. And um, uh, my source, uh, I, I living here in Nashville, there's a, a dam that I walk at. And I'll leave from my house, go park over in a parking lot, and then I'll begin about a four-mile walk. Mm-hmm. And that walk for me is my, um, is, is, is Zen for me. And I ha- I will put on different variations. Oh, for example, the playlist is the per, the playlist mm-hmm. video is, is actually parts of me being on that walk, but yeah. it, it, that, that was inspired based on the walk that I'm on all the time. And, um, I, I will typically put on music. I'll get out of my car start my Nike run app and I will start a playlist of some sort. Um, oftentimes it's me listening to the entirety of a musical um, or it will be listen. It'll be me listening to gospel music or yeah. to rock music. It can be anything, but that's, that's a very important piece for me is the, what I'm listening to because mm-hmm. oftentimes the, what I'm listening to is what spe- what is speaking to me. Yes. Um, and I'm so, and because I love music, I'm also super sensitive to music. Like, yes. Yes. Like sensitive in a way that if if during this podcast if there was music playing on the background I would not be able to focus. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm the same way. You know, way. Yep. so super sensitive to music. Yep. So um, when I go and take my my walks, um, I'll put my headphones on and get lost in that time. Then there's a bench um, at the dam that I walk to that I call my bench (laughs) Um, and I go to that bench and I have had moments of um, life altering life changing moments on that bench of, of me just talking to God, talking with myself, um, just, just being able to just stop for a minute and, and go, um, you're okay. It's going to be okay. And moving on. Sorry for that little beat that keeps coming in. I'm pretty sure it's on my side. Um, so the other thing that I do, and this is a tangible thing, and this isn't a commercial for anything, I promise, but this is something that I use. Um, I use the Calm app. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Calm app at all. Um, but I started using the Calm app about a, a year ago, and it sets up for timed meditations and time just to kind of be alone and spoken word moments and um, I use that quite a bit too, just to kind of get away. And I'm a prayer too. I pray, granted, I don't, let me be very, 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 very clear. I am not like a, I'm praying all the time guy, but I, I definitely pray in such a way that I feel like God and I have, we have an understanding and he knows I cuss a lot. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I think we may have the same God because <laughs> right. My I don't have that. I don't have that New King James version kind of relationship yeah. with God. Where when I go and talk to him, I'm all Thou cheers me, Thou Lord. You know, um, that is not the God I talk to. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, what was the first concert you ever went to? Oh man, New Edition. Um, and and I don't know if you're familiar with New Edition, but I'm telling you, I just said that, and there's some people on this podcast that just like their heart. <laughs> like claps for a minute um <laughs> but new new edition is it was like the first like black boy band outside of like like jackson five and um man oh man when i tell you leaf even just talking about it right now makes my heart excited. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and Fair which way. which book would you say has really had influence on shaping your life? Oh man, um, that's a big one. Oh man, I would probably say, mm, man, that's a hard one. It is, I know. <laughs> um, uh, Stuart Scott wrote a book called Every Day I Fight. Okay. Stuart, Stuart Scott is was a black commentator for ESPN for a lot of different things, and he um, he died of cancer, but wrote this book right before he he died. And um, man, that that impacted me. But okay. th- that would be probably more of a serious book. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of I, I am very much so into books where people are talking about their lives and their experiences. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with who Lena Dunham is, but she had a, uh, yeah. Okay. Lena Dunham had a book out. Um, I absolutely loved Lena Dunham's book. I I loved it. It was one of the first books that made me jump from reading the book over to um, listening to the audio book and then flipping back to the book. Like I never did, did that before, but sometimes, you know, you read a book and you're like, God, please tell me that this person is narrating the audiobook because yeah. I need to hear them say these things. Yes. You know, I narrated so. my own audiobook and <laughs> this sounds so arrogant, but like, stay with me. Like, I obviously, <laughs> I lived the experience in my book, right? And it's like, right. and more self help and just feeling like you're kind of just curled up on the couch chatting with me. It's really lovely. And so I lived it and I wrote it and then I recorded the audio for the audiobook. And in listening back to the audio, because we had to edit it, obviously, and going sure. back over the audio and then reading the book in print when it actually came out, it was the coolest experience because even though I was the creator and like mm. the consumer of the experience, it felt like two radically different experiences, even listening to the audio versus reading it. There's, there's sure. going to be other parts of our brain that get different messages out of it and that's my own book that's my own book right. any other book it's like how did i get stuff out of this <laughs> <laughs> you're like i am really moving me right now yeah really, i'm really connecting to this person wow <laughs> no i hear you um tina fey wrote a book that i love and listening to her um amy poehler i love listening to humorous books yeah um and reading humor because it's hard to write funny like yes, it's, it it's hard to write funny. Um, so uh, I love, I love reading books that are really genuinely like kind of laced with humor. Um, but yeah, no, I feel you 100% on that. There's something about listening to somebody narrate their own audiobook that just feels, it feels special. In fact, it pisses me off anytime I go over to like, look at a book and find the the person who wrote it didn't narrate it. I'm like, I, I, what, what are you, what's going on? Yeah. Um, is there a smell that when you smell it, you're like instantly transported back to childhood? Um, yes. Anything that smells Christmassy, like oh, no. cinnamon, um, you know, all of those Christmas scents, all of those Christmassy scents. So I'm a candle guy. Um, yeah. um, let me be, let me, can I, let me, let me, let me say something, Lee. <laughs> I am extremely gay on paper. Can we get this straight? <laughs> Like, I am so gay on paper. Now, let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, if I was gay, I would be like, yeah, I'm gay, but I'm not. Yeah. Because I love women. But I am so gay on paper, Lise. Like, <laughs> I, I'm realizing this. If, if you'd never heard of me before, you're hearing me talk about, I can, I love me some musicals. Let me tell you about all the candles I'm burning. And let me tell you about me wanting, yeah. right. 
Right. Oh um, but <laughs> but um, I will, I, man, I, I am one to definitely purchase a candle that has anything to do with Christmas, like a champ. And I will start burning, I will start burning that in on January 1st and ending on <laughs> December 31st. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, my final one of my final questions for you is knowing sure. that you are also a lover of music and that it plays like, you know, that soundtrack of your life kind of role in your life. Is there a song during which if you hear it no matter what the circumstance you could be driving whatever that it just like it just brings you to life to the point where you don't even notice other people that are around? Ooh, I was wondering where you were going to go with, does it, what does it do to you? Because then yeah. you said it brings you to life, right? So I'm talking about the kind of dancing in your car that like you're parked at a red light and you are in the moment, like in the moment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me, can I, can I give you, I need to give you kind of two different answers. Okay. Yes. Cause there's, there's us. Oh my gosh. This is, I could give you a million, but I'm going to just sum this down to, to two different things. Okay. There's there's a song one of my favorite groups in of all time um, is a rock group. It, my my musical taste is all over the place. It's it's ridiculous. But um, is a band called Counting Crows, and there's a oh, song yeah. called Anna Begins by Counting Crows. Now let me be clear, that song is not the song that answers your question. Okay. okay? But that song, if Anna Begins comes on. It, I am like immediately like em full with emotion. Like yeah. as soon as uh, I am, it's something inside of me like shifts to moments in my life. And it just, you know, that's one of those songs. Right. Um, mm -hmm. uh, now <laughs> on the other scale, the song that if it comes on that, like, it doesn't matter what's going on, but suddenly I'm like, I will turn up in my car and the hood will come out of me and the like, the kind of gangster will come out of me, but not really because it's actually not really a gangster song, but um, Mo Money, Mo Problems by P. Diddy, by, by P. Diddy and um, Mace and Notorious B.I.G. If that song comes on, I don't oh no. I'm like, I, man, I'm like, I told you that it won't stop, but that I told you that we won't stop. Don't get me started, least Like, I'm telling you. It does not matter what I could be in church and somebody, if someone, if someone's phone ring is accidentally that I'm like, excuse me, I'm going to need to get up and, you know, do my thing. Me and my best friend, Mike, we wanted a cruise back in college. And, um, for me, a cruise was about three things. It was about the food, the girls and the, in the club. And so in the club, they would play that song like three or four times a night on this cruise. And when I tell you, man, I still have memories of like being sore the next day because every every part of my body was just letting it go, man. So yeah, that's my that's my jam. If you, if you ever hear that song again, know that I am somewhere. I am somewhere going ham. Yes. <laughs> okay, my actual last question. No, second. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, girl. Go do your thing. Did you watch the last dance series on Netflix last year? With, okay. with Michael Jordan? Mm -hmm. Um, of course. Okay, good. Did more importantly, like the show was excellent, but the soundtrack, like, did you listen? To oh that? man. Oh my God. Sound, man. Like I found myself going online to make sure I wasn't the only person who was freaking out about the soundtrack. <laughs> 
Everybody everywhere exploded with glee with that soundtrack. Oh, it was, man. It was like another it was one. It was like DJ Khaled wrote this, like another one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Another one. Damn. Right. Please, how are we not best friends? What's your, what's your, like, I feel like my life is being sculpted by you right now on some Tennessee, level. Tennessee, so. Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> okay, actual final question. Like, final, final question. In your own yeah. words, what does it mean to be a human? Like, if you were going to give your own encapsulated advice, how, how to be a human? Hmm. Uh for me it's pretty simple i really truly believe that humanity is um, the ability to see other people Mm -hmm. and for me how to be a human is to realize that you are not alone that we are on this world with other remarkably beautiful wonderful flawed damaged perfect humans and it's those humans that make me mm-hmm. more human and um i have yet to have any children that i know of um just kidding um <laughs> but um that was just a joke that was just a joke that was i i just started to pull us out of that moment but it was just a joke um uh, but um, when I look at my niece, Zoe, and um, Declan, and um, my other nephews, another Jordan, and uh, man, when I look at these kids, it's hard not to get emotional just thinking about it. But when I, um, when I look at the innocence, mm-hmm. when I look at the hope, mm-hmm. When I look at the wonder, when I look at how they are just mesmerized by the smallest of things, um, it not only reminds me how human I am, but how wonderfully lucky I am to be one. Mm-hmm. And um, I really do think that... Uh, Seeing each other, at least for me, is is uh, the key um, to being human, and more so to being a better human. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. It honestly, <clears throat> thank you so much for sharing this space with me and for agreeing to come on the show. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, no, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, Lise. And I'm not just saying this loosely. Um, thank you for the positivity that you're putting out in the world. Thank you for the togetherness that you're putting out in the world. It's okay that we, I know the 